You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 208 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia who is back from a huge trip overseas to lots of exciting places where I think you got to hang out at racetracks with rev heads in <laughs> ghettos. Welcome back, Gina. Thanks, Val. It's great to be back. How are you going? Good. We missed you. I missed you guys, although, <laughs> like, you know, with social media, you're not that far away these days, so I felt like That's I right. always had everyone with me as I was going along. But you know what? I love America, I have to say. Okay. And I got, okay. to see, I got to see a lot more of it this time because I've kind of, you know, I've seen the, the LAs and the sort of mm. the New Yorks and, and I never really saw – I wanted to see all the, the, the middle bits <laughs> – and uh, I wanted to do a slow kind of a trip. And so I was part of a race crew that I was following and we were documenting the trip from California all the way across to Detroit. And we went through across several states, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Illinois, oh Wisconsin, God. and oh Michigan. God. So, And there was oh time zones as well. that We, we crossed about three time zones yeah, and right. uh, we're doing uh, – there was some 12 hour days of driving and like, but the thing is I'm driving with, uh, the, the race team we're, we're like, we weren't the support car. We were the filming car, but in the car with me was, uh, Maggie, who was the wife of, uh, George, the race car driver. And mm-hmm. they're also like, they're into driving fast. And so occasionally mm. we'd swap cars and I'd have George in the car with me, who's mm. a, a race car driver. And as I'm exiting freeways, I, what do you do when you exit a freeway, Val? Slow, slow down. down. You yeah. slow down, don't you? So mm. I'd be doing yeah. that because they're often the hairpin turns and you, you want to yeah. slow down to a safe pace, otherwise you roll the car or that's what you think. And they'd yeah. be like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm slowing down. We're exiting the freeway. He's like, speed up. I'm like, it's <laughs> day. And I'm like, no. And he's like, give me the wheel. And, and so we swap and then he shows me how to do it on two wheels, screeching oh like something God. out of Fast and the Furious. And then they oh. called me Nana after that because it was like, yeah, oh. I was always a bit caught. Yeah. So I learned all these new skills and there was a lot of testosterone. It was like race cars and all of that. So yeah, kind of right. like at the end of the day, I felt like I needed to listen to Adele and, and yeah. just <laughs> – you know, bring back the uh, feminine energy. So, but it was uh, it was lots of fun. I I, uh, I took took lots and lots and lots of shots. I loved it. And uh, so, is it like Fast and Furious? The being at the racetrack. Well, that whole experience, because obviously, with you were with a race crew. Yeah, no, no, no. We didn't like. We weren't driving across town like that. But it was just like uh, really interesting to step into that world. And also, uh, Road America is where we ended up. The racetrack, which is in Wisconsin, and also beautiful country. So much beautiful countryside. And like my dream of seeing Route 66 was so, mm. so, so, so cool. And I loved it. And, and as per usual, no research on my part. I just stumbled my <laughs> way along. And uh, I, I love that discovery when, when I travel. I don't do a lot of research. I want to find stuff on my own. Um, right. And so I loved all of that. And the weather was amazing. And uh, it's a, there, there are some fantastic spots in America. And it's just like now it's just made me want to go back and do it again and do more road trips because you do meet some great characters and so many great photo 
opportunities. And I feel like I understand our uh, US listeners a little bit better now. No one understood me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, one US listener who uh, may you might have waved at him perhaps is Jeff <laughs> Schwant. And Jeff kindly left us a review on iTunes and he's entitled it, What a Goldmine. So Jeff said, I'm blown away by the goldmine of knowledge and wisdom that Gina and Valerie share in each episode of this podcast. I know all the basics of shooting from my days with my first SLR, but I never had any training in how to pose people. And my only experience with lighting is my old Vivitar flash. Ever since my wife bought me a DSLR, I have had a resurgence of interest to learn more about lighting, posing, post-processing, etc. My goal is to go beyond family and landscape shots to something profitable. This podcast is an awesome resource for all of that and more. Gina has a ton of great insights and is gracious enough to share them with whoever will listen. Plus, Gina and Val are a hoot. <laughs> My only worry is that I might pick up an Australian accent. I guess that would be all right. <laughs> all right. Ain't going all right. <laughs> That's awesome. fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff. Really, really appreciate it. Like, um, that's so awesome. Thank you for taking the time to do that, Jeff. And hopefully mm-hmm. next time either of us are in the US, we can we can wave to you, you know, um, from somewhere a bit nearer. And, of course, yep. if you have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, we have a special guest this week, don't we, Gina? Mm, we you- sure do. Uh, and uh, many of our listeners might be familiar familiar with our guest, Andrew Helmich, who I have been on his podcast before, Photo Biz Exposed, a couple of times now. He's interviewed me. And like what I love about Andrew as a photographer and a podcaster is he's living the dream. So he Mm. runs a successful portrait studio. Uh, He lives like Uval in a beautiful beachside location. I think he's like trying to work out the location, but you can't see each other from where you are, right? Is that He's not far as the crow flies. He's not far. Yeah, he's actually quite close. You only need to kind of take a 20-minute ferry, but – it's over water. To get there, we would probably have to drive two hours by or you land. Could, when you get the boat, you've got a boat license, Val. You could, <laughs> yes. like, you know, well, all right, just jet on over there. So, Pass you know, her over, yes. Uh, but he's got, he's got the whole work-life balance worked out. He works with his soulmate and his best friend, and he is regularly traveling the world. I've been, like, yeah. uh, seeing him, uh, he's on the, like, following the Tour de France around, I think, at the moment. So yes, spectacular right. scenery and, uh, you know, he, he gets to do all of that. Uh, the other thing that he does is over the past four years, he's generally generously shared all his uh, business knowledge of photography and his podcast, uh, Photo Biz Exposed. And, like, he also has a, a long-form uh, podcast uh, which where he discuss, discusses the why in photography and the photo biz experiment. But it's in his Photo Biz Exposed podcast that I reckon Andrew stumbled on the secret source of finding and growing a portrait business. And, like, I, I am uh, part of uh, his Facebook group and I've been seeing all the success stories that he has in there from uh, what he's taught his uh, clients in that group to, to use uh, Facebook to market Mm. and uh, using Facebook ads. And in this episode, Val, he shares his formula for using Facebook ads. Lots of, lots of amazing information. So probably maybe take notes for this one, guys. You might want to listen to it a few times, but there's uh, lots of good stuff. Hope you enjoy it. G'day, Andrew. Welcome to the show. How are you going? Hi, Gina. It's, re- it's really good. It's going to be fun, I think, to be on the other side of the questions for a change. I'm a little bit nervous, so I hope you play nice. <laughs> of course. Um, so before we start, where in the world are you? I'm in Australia. I'm about one hour north of Sydney, a little town called Terrigal, so on the, on the east coast of Australia. 
Beautiful. And uh, how, how is it there today? Are you like, have you had the heat and humidity that like up there as well? We have. I think it's going to be 37 degrees Celsius uh, over the weekend, which is just nuts for this time of year. I don't know that, what's going on, but yeah, it's going to be warm. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> now, do you have the that story that you hear from a lot of photographers that you, as a boy, you always dreamed of becoming a photographer. Have you got that sort of in your back catalogue? Well, you no. know, ever since you were five? <laughs> no, no. I see so many photographers about pages. <laughs> yeah. Exactly that, isn't it? My, my story is different. I, I didn't actually get a camera until the week of my wedding, uh, which was in 1996. <laughs> That was the very first time I picked up a camera. And the only reason was I was a mad keen fisherman and I wanted to, like my friends, my fishing buddies, get published in fishing magazines. And I could write. I'm pretty happy to write and, and make, it, make a story and share my experiences that way. But to get published, you needed to have photos. So I bought a camera and I, and I started shooting, believe it or not, I started shooting uh, E6 transparency film from the get-go, so, which was a great way to learn. Well, yeah, because there's no room for error, is there? You've got to absolutely get it right. And so, did you have uh, mentors like like my my when I was starting out? I, my mentors were sort of the the guys in the labs, and the the guy that worked in the camera store was sort of saying, "Well, why don't you try this? Or you need to, you know, underexpose or." You, do things a bit differently. Did you have that? How were you learning? Because it's like we're talking 90s, right? So there wasn't uh, – you couldn't just get on Google and find no. a video that showed you how <laughs> to do it. So how how were you honing your skills back then? Yeah, that's – I'm going to share my age a little bit here. I can tell you and the listener I do not feel old. <laughs> no, I'm 14 for the rest of my life, Andrew. <laughs> well, I was going to say 21, but anyway. No. <laughs> But uh, my my way of learning was the local library. I used to live on the northern beaches. Down at the library. Oh my library. Yeah, but you know what? It wasn't books so much. It was um, photography magazines. Yeah. And I can't – there was one called, I think, Popular Photography was my, my favourite one. It was an English uh, publication. And they had all sorts of how-tos and they had beautiful work in there. And, and that's – that's how I started, and then I went, I guess, to books as well a little bit. But and then also my trans, shooting transparency film—it's such a good feedback. I mean, yeah. you, you learn so quickly that, that you're a crap photographer when you start, and you get better quickly because I was paying fifty dollars a roll, pretty much. I was shooting Velvia, and um, you mess up a shot; <laughs> it's costing you every time you take a you know, press the shutter. I think. Uh- Shooting film is a really good way to learn, and I had uh, I did an interview with a surf photographer by the name of Russell Ord, and he 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 explains uh, he had a sort of similar experience where he was uh, learning how to do surf photography, so in a in a, a waterproof housing and uh, shooting transparency as well, and as at fifty dollars a pop, you want to be getting it right, so you are making sure that you're going back and checking your films and going. Oh, all right, well, I didn't quite nail the focus, so I need to, you know, work on that, or I need to maybe increase my exposure. And, and yeah, it is. It's a it's a great learning curve. Yeah, and back then there's no metadata, so you've got a notepad. <laughs> if I'm experimenting, I've got a notepad. I'm writing frame number fifteen, this exposure, frame number sixteen. I've done this, and I'm getting my transparencies back and looking which one worked best. And like I said, when you're paying per shot, you learn to to catalogue and remember what works and what doesn't really quickly. And I think that can be applied to uh, today's learning as well and looking at your photos and, you know, having a critical eye over them and even taking notes. Like I, I often take notes on, on my photography today and say, well, okay, well, like I do need to uh, – it's almost like doing a debrief after each shoot and so this is what I did and this is where I can improve. Yeah, yeah, it's – I think I'm in two minds. I think I would love to be learning today and mm. just get that instant feedback, but I still never regret that. I don't want to say the hardship because it wasn't a struggle. It was still great fun, but I, it was. I think it was tougher to learn when you when you were restricted to film. Um, 
And I think I learned some great lessons there. So I think no matter when you start, you're going to have your own pluses and minuses, good and bad situations. And it just it comes down to the photographer and how committed they are to learning. Exactly. And and so, all right, so you're photographing fishermen. What? <laughs> Let me make that sound more exciting. Can you tell I don't fish? Do you still fish? Not, not much, but, um, but you know what? It's funny that you say, like, you're photographing fishermen. When I think of – when most people think of fishing, they think of a dirty old stinky fisherman on a wharf, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But for me, it was it was like hunting. Like, we're using lures. We're in little kayaks or boats and, and poking around mangroves and doing pinpoint casting, trying to find the fish. And uh, it was – it really is sport fishing more so than soaking a bait. Okay, so – you, you're taking uh, images of uh, different styles of fishing out there on location that you can use with your stories to get published. Did, did, did you get published straight away? Pretty quickly because the publications, they needed us photographers and writers to, to have a magazine and, and, and to attract advertisers. So I think, yeah, well, I didn't find it difficult. Um, I had a couple of friends already doing it. Back then, I'm not sure how much it's changed now, you basically had uh, editorial guidelines that you could either uh, access or write to the editor to get them to send it to you. Uh, and then if once you had an article published, you could actually call the editor and say, I've got an idea for, for, a, for an article. Are you interested in this? And they'd say, yeah, can you make it this many words and we're looking for uh, this? And if you think you've got a cover shot chance, make sure you're shooting some vertical shots as well, not just all portraits. So, yeah. I was successful pretty quickly with the articles, got a few covers uh, early on as well, and then I started to realise my love of photography, and that's really where it was born and where it took off. I thought this was this was a real buzz, seeing my photos in a magazine. Oh, yeah, I, and I think the, the important thing here is here's an area that you're passionate about, you're fishing, and then so being photographing fishing as a fishing lover, you're going to take different shots to say if I went out and tried to photograph a fisherman because I'm going to be seeing in a completely different way than you would. So obviously that's an advantage, right, because you're going to know the difference between, uh, and forgive my lack of uh, tech speak here, but a good cast and a bad cast, I guess. Like, you know, I I suppose that if you – photograph the person casting off at the wrong time it's going to look not as great as if you show the 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 line going in the water at a certain time you're going to be able to show the skill in that in that particular um uh way that he does that is that right that's exactly right so i think what you the word skill is what it's what it's all about because there's so much more that goes into fishing so and what i learned was to be able to tell a story through photos because yeah. that's what the editors want. So they they want to see you know us putting the boat in at the crack of dawn when the sun's not up yet and there's a misty fog over the water. They want to see us tying the lures and which knots we're using. So we've got the little close up macro shots. They want to see the casting. They want to see the area that we're that we're fishing. They want to see the, the fish uh, while it's being fought. They want to see the fish once it's caught. They want to see the fish being. Released. I mean, there's so much you can tell, uh, including the clothes that the fishermen are wearing and the reels and the brands and all those sort of things. So I was like a wedding photographer but just shooting fishing. Yeah, and so this for the listeners, there may be a skill that someone has. Like you might be uh, out there doing karate every week and this might be your first entry into photography where you document a uh, a karate contest and as a a lover of the sport you're going to know that uh the moment to uh have you know capture that 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 that, that particular kick and you're going to know how 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 to to photograph that in a way that 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 shows the level of skill and then because you're on the inside you're going to know you know you're going to know people that you can photograph and there may be a 
karate monthly magazine that you can pitch those images to because you're on the inside so it's i think it's a great way to to break into the industry find that thing that you love and photograph it in a way that is unique to you yeah i agree it's funny you mentioned karate. I mean, I didn't photograph Tell me karate. you're a karate. You're a black belt, Andrew. I didn't know this <laughs> no, no. about you. No, no, no. But what, what I did, because when I was trying, when I realized I wanted photography to be my life, to, to be able to make an income from photography, and I had a full-time job at the time, I thought, what else can I photograph? And it wasn't karate, but there was a, a lot of people that owned horses. There was a dressage arena not far from me. So I thought, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to photograph these women and men, mainly women, in their dressage events and I was shooting film still at this stage and I would print six by fours and have them buy photos and I'd sell enlargements from those. And I learned super quickly that a horse is not a horse. I mean, they want their ears forward. They want their legs extended. They want the tail this way. If if it wasn't perfect, it was just a no-sale every time. Wow. So, yeah, and and that and that's in every particular niche yes. industry, you know. There's ways to photograph a dancer and there's ways to photograph, you know, a runner and 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 dogs and and so yeah, it's, I think that's a a great uh, learning curve as well. So, all right. So you're doing the fishing and you're getting the work out there. How then do you transition into like a full-time portrait photographer. Did did you so did you just decide, all right, I'm I'm a big deal now in the fishing industry. I'm just <laughs> going to um now transition into portrait photography. Was there a time did you have a did you what was your day job at that time? Uh, so back then as well, this is this is an interesting thing. I I have a habit of making my passion my my income earner. So right. I was a mag team fisherman. I used to work for a fishing tackle sales company when I fell in love with fishing. And uh, then I even managed a fishing tackle store. And then when I realized that I love photography and I was happy to make that transition from the, the fishing tackle industry, I went out with a friend of mine who's a wedding photographer and I carried his bags for a few weddings and, and he was uh, he's a lovely guy. He, he allowed me to actually start taking some photos and then he even allowed me to use some of the photos that I took at his weddings as part of my initial portfolio. Oh, nice. Yeah, which was really, really nice. And um, he ended up working for me as a photographer. He had a full-time job as well as a school teacher in, in later years. But he, he allowed me to get a bit of a portfolio together. I ended up shooting a friend of a friend's wedding. So my fishing buddy, his, uh, his brother's was getting married, so I photographed their wedding and they paid for a double set of prints and that became my first wedding album portfolio. And then I was off to the bridal expos and booking weddings. All right, so <laughs> through all this time, did you have a a job that was paying yes. to keep the electricity on? Yes? Yeah. Yep. What, yeah so I'll, that I'm was up. That I was an electrician. Well, I left the, what? the tackle when I started pursuing the photography. Went back to electrical work because I'm an electrician by trade, and uh, started building the photography business. I was once that started to pick up. I was shooting portraits. I was shooting weddings. I, I had the worst business name, Gina. What was <laughs> the it? Worst. Weddings, <laughs> portraits, anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh my and god! I, I would literally photograph any, anything for money. <laughs> so hang on. So you're working in the tackle shop and you're an electrician as well? No. So I, I knew that I wanted to get out of the, the the tackle shop because that was just too many hours, and I wasn't able to pursue the photography that I wanted to because I needed to have weekends free to shoot weddings. So I went back to electrical work, and I with one aim, and that was to make wedding. Uh, sorry, to make photography my life. So how much of the uh, – w- w- with the electrical work, was that the, like you were self-employed? No, no, I was working for a, well, a telecommunications company in Australia, Optus. Oh, don't get me started. Anyway. <laughs> no, um, I don't work for them anymore. Good. Um, <laughs> so was that a full-time job? Was that yes, a- I, yes, I was full-time. And then as the photography was picking up, so Linda, my wife, she was working the business as well and, and we had a – we have Matthew by that stage, my oldest son, and then Jordan was on the way. Things were looking good. Um, we were booking a lot of weddings. And at that stage, business was going great. So 
I went part-time at Optus. I did a job share position, so I was one week on, one week off with wow. another guy. We'd share the truck. Yeah. And then it came, uh, I think, two years after that, maybe a year and a half, he, my, my partner, the other truck uh, operator, the electrician, said he's leaving. And Optus said, Andrew, you've either got to come back full-time or you have to leave. So I left and then I was a full-time photographer. And it was oh. the best push that I could have had. That's fantastic. So that decided for you. And do you, do you think if they hadn't have said that, you would have stayed on for a bit longer? And how do you think that, like, how do you know when the right time to make that jump is? Yeah, I think look, this has been the subject in different conversations I've had on my podcast. I don't think there's any perfect time. I mean, you're always going to have concerns. And I think particularly if you're, say, in somewhere like the the United States, where they have these healthcare programs, and you're just giving up so much if you leave a job. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, I mean, look, I had a yeah, I had a mortgage. I had I had a family. Linda wasn't working. I was the sole income earner. But you know what? If if worse comes to worse, I'd go back and become an electrician. If it, if it really did fall, so I'm glad I took the push. I probably should have done it six months or twelve months earlier. Yep. Um, and I probably, in answer to your question, I probably would have stayed on for another six months if I didn't get the push. So no real perfect time, but I'm glad it happened the way it did. I think there's a couple of uh, good points there. In like I, I, I always say uh, to my students that like. The, the, to have that uh, job when you're starting that little buffer that you know that the the bills are going to be paid, you'll you'll you, you'll be covered, you'll eat at the next you know eat eat that week, is is a good thing because it changes the energy around you and you're not sort of you're not sort of desperate for every photography job that comes your way and you're not going to drop your prices just so you can get that job just so you can eat. So I think it's important to to make that transition in a way that's comfortable and it, and and there is uh, an, a period of overlap for a little while where you, you're doing it tough because you're basically working two jobs. Was that the case with you? Yeah, that, that was the hardest part was having the, the Optus, the electrical work and the photography business. Linda was working hard, you know, pretty much every day downstairs in the studio. Yeah. We all we work from home. And what I found was once I left the other job and I, and I was able to concentrate on photography full time, Yes, I lost the other income, but I had this extra time to work on my marketing and yep. to, to bring clients in and, and be a recognised full-time photographer and really go after it. So, like, you've got a really successful portrait photography business, but you're also doing commercial photography. Now, just just for, for my sake, can you, can you just explain <laughs> the difference between the portrait photography business model and the commercial photography business model because there is there is a difference in how how they operate yeah and i think to be clear to your listeners my my commercial photography business is a lot different to yours you know yeah. you're at a whole different level you're you're looking after totally different clients to me my my commercial clients are small business owners in my area yep and they are bas- I'm basically charging them a, an hourly, a half day, or a full day rate. Yep. Plus, plus any processing and, and post processing that happens afterwards. So, really, the commercial work for me was never my main goal to become a commercial photographer. It was more to, to fill in the midweek stuff. Yep. And, and I found that by being in my local area for so long, the commercial work had just picked up just by itself. Yeah. You know, I, I don't advertise for it. I do have a page on my website. Um, out of a couple of pages and people just find me because I I have I'm a nice guy and I have a good network yeah. you know I'm, I'm just nice to people and people remember that and I think you're a, a big proponent of that you know people remember the experience they have with you yeah and they say we've got to get Andrew back he was great he made everyone laugh everybody had a great time yeah and uh, I don't think you even need to be the best photographer you just need to be nice to people and give them a good time show them a great time great experience exactly so the i, I didn't answer your question about the, the portrait, portrait so. so the portrait business model so i mean but that's true i think from probably from the portrait photography you're getting a lot of the commercial work as well because it's like you photograph someone's wedding and then they happen to need headshots and they'll the remember you all the time yeah you know, i'm I photograph someone's wedding, they go to a gym, that gym needs new brochures. They yep. say, hey, I know a photographer, bang, yep. I'm photographing a gym. I was like, how did I get this job? It's, uh, it's great. But the, the portrait photography side of the, the business is, is different. It's not do and charge. It's more, it's a lot of um, 
offering free sessions a lot of the time. Yeah. To to because you the thing is with portrait photography, it's it's a luxury. People don't need to have it. Now a lot of people do want it and they think I'll get it someday. So I need to give them a reason to pick up the phone and say, Andrew, we want to get some family shots. Yep. So a lot of those tactics and strategies that we use for that is to offer free sessions in different ways and then do the shoot and then make the sale on the back end once they've had an amazing experience and seen their photos. Right. So, yeah, and that and that's um, coming from the commercial world. That that was something that I've only just got my head around now, you know, with, with portraits and I think the – Portrait business model can also be applied to headshots, and I, I've just started dabbling with the portrait business model for my commercial headshots. In that, uh, before I was saying, "All right, th- this is what a headshot costs," and that includes, you know, you'll get your uh, a digital file and that's retouched, and there's a, a set rate. And then I tweaked that a little and I tried, I'm saying, I wonder what happens if I use the business model. So I did a, uh, a, a test where I charged a like a low fee, like a sitting fee, and, and then I said, all right, and then each image uh, will cost you, you know, X dollars. And I actually ended up making three times what I would make using the commercial business model. It was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's like using that technique that you said, it's like you've got to get them in the door because what I found is there is a lot of confusion out there and someone who is looking for a headshot might not know, um, might not understand the commercial business model and they're comparing my rates to someone who's using the portrait uh business model as a rate and they're they're just seeing my rate as being more expensive what they don't realize is that portrait photographer who's saying yeah it's 50 bucks for a session doesn't get them anything and they end up you know they might end up paying more for for what my rate was in 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 the end anyway so um that was a a really good experiment so you're getting the is the you're not doing that with weddings obviously that's a fixed rate but the portrait session yeah, wedding, wedding's fixed. So yes. wedding's paid up front before the actual day, usually two day, two weeks before. Yeah, but the portrait session and that's that luxury uh, kind of uh, thinking is that you'll get them in the door, they'll have this beautiful experience and then you show them the shots and how can they not buy them? Of course they're going to want them and, and if you do a great job, they're going to want lots of images and so you can, you can have a really good average sale out of those sessions. What what sort of success rate do you have? Like, it, it, obviously, are there people that you'll do a session for and they won't order any a, a shot? Or yes, it happens and it's horrible. But you know what? As as you become more experienced at business, then you learn to look at your averages. Yes. So you know, if I do uh, ten shoots and my average is let's say a thousand dollars. Yep. I don't care if I get to that by five $2,000 sales yep. or 10 $1,000 sales. And the five $2,000 sales, $2, sales means I've had five no sales. Right. So th- at the end of the day, I'm still making the same money. Yep. I'm still generating the same income and that's the way I have to or how, how I've learned to look at the business. Otherwise, it's you're just on a roller coaster of emotions all the time. One day you're a shit photographer, next thing oh, I'm, the, I'm the best photographer. And then I know it is, and it is a roller coaster. And it's like I think you've got to take. Uh, it's not personal; it's just business. And there will be, like you said, uh, you know, two, three out of ten that are just not going to buy anything. But they're not going to buy anything from anyone. And it's not; it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah, that, that's true. But and I think it does have a little bit to do with me if if I haven't done my. My, my vetting process properly. So because I'm bringing in a lot of my clients in for a free shoot, I have to, I have learned to be better at choosing which of those free which of those people are going to get a free shoot, and that that plays a big part in reducing the number of no sales. Right. So when I when someone's applied or or requested a free shoot because they've seen an ad, for example, then you know I might be giving away five free shoots. But I'm going to pick those five people. So I might have had 20 or 30 or 80 80 people apply 
I'm going to go through a vetting process and find the, the five or 10 or 15 or 20 that I think are most likely to spend more money after the shoot. Right. Okay. So I think the the business model that you have and the way that you're finding clients is a little bit different today than it was when you were start when you started out. So how like from from those early days where you were transitioning from you know um, fly fisherman <laughs> to uh, Sparky to you know wedding portrait photographer, how were you how were you finding clients in the early days? Was it wedding fairs and and full page ads? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, magazine ads were, yep. were big. How much you, just just for the listeners who are just of the internet age now what, what did it cost to put a, an ad in in a in a wedding magazine we would pay between three and five thousand dollars and what would you get back what would you be what, what would be your return uh money wise yeah well you, this is the bad this i feel stupid saying this but you just didn't know wow <laughs> like, you know now now that i know so much more yeah. i would have had you know, mention this page or mention this ad and save, say, $500 or yeah. something to yeah. know. But I, I didn't know. I was just I was trying to just make a great-looking ad so people would say, wow, Andrew's a cool photographer and hope that they ring my my number and, and book an appointment. Yeah, because they'd have to ring a landline to find you. And so so there was uh, there were, like, niche publications where you could advertise and then there was also, and they still exist, uh, wedding fairs. Yes, I think that would we, be. And you that set up massive. a stall? Yeah, set up a stand, have your have your albums and your, your photos on display and chat to potential brides or prospective brides as they come past, show them your work. What, one, one interesting thing uh, that happened from my very first wedding, who was a friend of a friend, she that couple were a really a large couple, a big couple, and that was the very first wedding I photographed. So they had to be my first portfolio. We went to the bridal fair, and I had the other photos that I shot with the other photographer as well, but my only full wedding was this large couple. I booked more weddings than any other photographer at that bridal fair. I think we – I can't remember the exact number, but it, it blew us away. Wow. I, and it was nearly all large couples that I booked. Because they all said, you are the only photographer here that doesn't show off skinny brides. <laughs> oh, there you go. So that was your first sort of uh, experiment with niche marketing, Andrew. By accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's By accident. great. Um, so now I've, I've been a member of your uh, podcast Facebook community uh, for, for a number of years now and uh, I, I from, from, from seeing all the posts in there, I, I reckon you've um, – stumbled on the secret sauce here <laughs> to marketing. I think you've found it and, uh, yeah, just by the, the, from everything that I've seen, um, what is that <laughs> secret sauce? Do you want to tell us about it? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I think you're talking about the Facebook ads. Yeah. And I learned about that a couple of years ago after I interviewed a photography business coach, uh, Bernie Griffiths. And he, he presented this idea. I put it to the test during the interview and booked 23 portrait sessions, which just, I was gobsmacked. And so since then, members and I and listeners have sort of reworked the whole thing and, and got it down to, well, I guess you could call it a fine art. And basically the, the photographer has to be comfortable giving away a free session and even a free print. So I include a free five by seven. But the, the ad that we run is very, very specific. So we we are targeting a super refined niche. And we're being as specific as we possibly can. So for example, my very first ad was for kids aged between four and eight years old with a pet dog. Like what, that niche, wow. If someone had told me to run an ad that restrictive, I would have said you're crazy. And this thing went nuts. And then I've since realized this this is one of the biggest secrets to any kind of advertising. One of the biggest mistakes photographers make is we all try to go too broad. Right. We all try. We want to, as a wedding photographer, we want to attract every engaged couple. But yeah. We should, we should find out who our perfect couple is and attract them. So this ad has a hyper-specific headline. We give the the reader who's clicking through their Facebook feed a reason to stop and take notice. So the first thing is the headline. And we also have an image 
that will catch their attention. So you want it to be applicable to the person you're trying to attract. So if I've got, if I'm advertising for a kid between four and eight with his pet dog, uh, hopefully I've got something like that in my portfolio. If not, I'll just find something that would still hopefully stop someone in their tracks and rely on the, the headline to, to get them reading. Uh, once, once they're reading the ad, they, they've stopped at the headline. They know that I'm talking to them because the, the mum or the dad has seen I'm looking for a kid age between four and eight with a pet dog and that's them. Yeah. They'll go on and read the rest of the ad. And, uh, if you have, I mean, it sounds salesy, and the easiest way to describe it is to have a hook or two different hooks to make people or to encourage people to take action. And one of those hooks is to add scarcity. So I'm only going to give away five sessions. Right. And the other hook is that you have a great incentive. The shoot is free and they get a complimentary print. So there's absolutely no risk to the person to take action. But they've got to take action pretty quickly or they're going to miss out. That makes sense. Yeah. So, with this, uh, do you need um, a big Facebook following for this to work? So, like, say if I've only got fifty people following my Facebook page, is that is that still going to work? Is it going to get out there? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, but we all hear how bad Facebook is for organic yep. traffic, and it is. It's 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 pretty crap now. But what, what, what we've found with this ad, see, Facebook will reward you if you post something. They still will today. If you post something that other people want to engage with, if they comment on it, if they share it, if they tag their friends, then Facebook is going to keep promoting that post for free organically because they can see, hey, this is a popular post. So what happens is if you have a, a hyper-specific headline, so let's say, stay with my example, yep. kids are four to eight with a pet dog. Let's say you see that. You, Gina, you see that and you think, well, that's not me. I don't mm. have a kid age between four and eight, but I've got a great friend or a neighbour down the road. This would suit her perfectly. So what do you do on Facebook? You, you share her. it with her yeah. or tag her. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I, even though you haven't got many followers or I don't have any followers on my page, it's starting to get some organic traction. But you also boost this because you can make your post into an ad inside the ads manager. So you're going to be paying for reach at the same time. So it doesn't matter how many page likers you have. Right. So it's just going to get out there in front of the people specific to your to who you're targeting. So three who have three or four year olds with a with a dog or yeah. Yep. So you can do that. So your headline will help you do that. So mm. people on Facebook will go and find people like that for you because you potentially have friends that will see that. And what happens is when you go into Ads Manager, you can set up the targeting to target parents of kids with uh, a pet dog and their kids are aged between four and eight. So you can be that specific with your ad targeting. Wow. So, all right, so back when you were doing ads in the bridal magazines, you're dropping <laughs> three and four grand and not knowing it, who who is seeing that. Is it that sort of money to get that reach? Do you need to spend <laughs> three or four grand to, you know, get that? Because, I mean, if you got 10 people back, you'd kind of get that money back. Is it that? Are we looking at that sort of money to drop oh. on Facebook? <laughs> no, no. I wouldn't. I'd be too scared to even experiment for that price. I'd right. want assurances. So, when I, my very first ad, when I booked 23 sessions, uh, I spent $30 on my ad. 30, 33, 30 zero. Australian dollars. That's yep. it. That's it. Yeah. My next one, I, I advertised for engaged couples. I spent $40. I booked seven shoots and booked six weddings from those seven shoots. Wow. And, and sort of six weddings, that's a decent return on that well, 30. Jesus. That's minimum, minimum three grand, minimum. <laughs> oh, so 30 bucks and you made, eight, let me do the math here, 18 grand. <laughs> yeah, more, wow. over 20 because wow. that my bottom package is three grand. All right, so just walk me through this now. So <laughs> look, so you're putting out an ad. How, how long does it take? Like is it a day that, that it all so comes you, in or? So you, you run your ad for a week. Yeah. So you, usually, usually it takes 48 hours for the ad to actually start working. So Facebook needs to find people that are responding to your ad. So they, they're looking for people that are, are clicking and interacting and they're going to keep using their algorithm to keep sending your ad to, to put it in front of the right people. Plus you've got the organic side happening. So generally you run your ad for a week and that means people aren't seeing it too much and it means you can run it again and again. Uh, you don't run them back to back. 
although some photographers do, you do I don't do that. Um, portraits, I generally will do this sort of three or four times a year. Uh, weddings, four times a year max because you're targeting engaged couples that have only been engaged for three months. So the same couples aren't seeing it when you rerun your ad in three months' time. Wow. And so, like, I, 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 being in your Facebook group, I've seen some of the success stories. Do you, do you want to run us through a couple of examples of some, some, some of your, um, the members in your group that have that have done this and what, what sort of um, kind of um, success they've had with that? Yes, I'm just looking. <laughs> I wasn't ready for this, but I will. I'll find something. <laughs> uh, okay, here's one. So, um, this is this is Jacob Redziniak. He's a wedding photographer in New York. Uh, my $65 investment in Facebook ads has brought in about $25,000 in revenue so far. So that's one guy. He's doing better than me. Wow. <laughs> I've showed him how to do it. Uh, who's this one? This is Daz Mack. He's a, uh, a UK photographer. Um, he let us swear on your show. Uh, I, Valerie I, I, I does. <laughs> <laughs> what, what Daz says is uh, what the actual F and he says, my mind has been blown. My ad reach was over 20,000, nearly 100 people applying for the shoot, three wedding inquiries, and nearly 100 page likes. I can't wait to do the shoots. I've got people wanting pictures in tattoo studios, people on dirt bike tracks, couples in the sea at sunset, and powder paint fights on the beat. Amazing. Honestly, man, I can't thank you enough for putting this together. Well, so th- that's interesting because he he's targeted clients specific to his style of shooting. So it's not like that you just want to target uh, engage couples to do to hopefully get a future wedding. You can you can be as nichey as as you like in, with this sort of style of uh, advertising. It sounds really cool. So, all right. When you're putting something out there and you're saying free, you're going to attract <laughs> a certain kind of person who is just in it for that five by seven. I think uh, in Australia we had a company called Pixie Photo who did a similar kind of thing where you were offered, they'd walk around shopping centers and they'd offer you an eight by ten and uh, people would go in and take the eight by ten and then leave. If you're getting all of that, those sorts of clients, wouldn't you just be spending then, you know, investing all this time and effort and, and you're not going to get a sale? How, how do you know that it's not just going to be Jan who's just coming in for a free five by seven? Yeah, the freebie hunters. They're the worst. Freebie hunters. <laughs> that sounds like a reality show. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, you do. And, and the, the the goal of your promotion is to weed those people out. So there's a couple of easy ways to do that. If you're targeting engaged couples, say you're a wedding photographer, what you'll do is take people to a landing page, so which is just a page on your website that works with your ad, and on that landing page so that you can have the same photos that are in your ad, you can have similar wording so people know they're on the right place because you've sent them away from Facebook, and you'll have a questionnaire. Two of the main questions you'll be asking is, do you have a photographer booked for your wedding? And what is the date of your wedding? Right. So if, if they've got a photographer booked or they have a wedding booked on a day that I'm not available, they are not getting a free shoot. Simple right. as that. And then I can ask more questions to really find out if this is a good couple. Then once they get through that net, if you like, I'll get on the phone and have a chat and we'll talk about products and what they can buy and I'll ask them what they would like to do with the photos after the session. Are they interested in buying more? And if I get a feeling, and some people will say this to me, just out and out, oh, Andrew, we thought you, we were doing you a favour by coming in to do this shoot. Um, obviously, you know, you want us to buy more photos after the shoot. We're not really keen. No problem. I'll move on to the next one because I'd much rather that stop right there than go through the drama of doing a shoot getting the, the sales session set up, doing the post-processing work to find out they don't want anything. Right. So, so that's, that's important, that, 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 that uh, script. I, yeah. Yes. I, and then you have something similar if you're shooting portraits. Portraits, I'm a little bit more relaxed because it's, it's a little bit more difficult to weed people out with a questionnaire and you'll get a lot more leads if you don't take people off Facebook. So what I'll do is have them comment interested below yeah. Below my post. 
And then now what you can do with Facebook is I can send them a PM, uh, which you weren't able to do from a business page in the past. Right. And I'm trying to take them from Facebook, a PM, to email, and then I'm going to take them from email to phone. And that right. Whole, that, that's pretty simple. I've got some pre-scripted emails and messages, and what I'm trying to do is weed out the ones that don't really want to shoot, that don't want to buy anything. And then my last step before I book them in is a phone call just to make sure if they're not right, they don't want to buy anything or I get that feeling, I'm going to say, listen, I've been inundated, as you've seen, with this promotion. I think you're going to be a great fit, but I've got to make a few more phone calls before I agree to photograph which families. I'm going to come back to you if you're successful. Right. And so you you said that, that I get a feeling because often um, – you don't know if someone – because you also get uh, – and this is how I weed out my clients as well. There's something that they'll say. You can't even – it's not even the way they say it or what they say. It's just a gut feeling that you go, I think this person's going to be difficult. And there's been times in my life where uh, I've ignored that feeling and I'm like, oh, no, I've, that, that's just me being silly. But then you get to the shoot and you go, no, this person is is – completely um wrong town and they've just it's just been you really regret taking on the shoot so what what is it is it a how do you know you just know you do i mean i'm asking questions i am specifically talking about product what what my average client spends so most clients with one of these shoots they'll spend a thousand dollars yep like if they're like if i hear them taking a breath (laughs) they're in shock and uh, I think, well, yeah, I'll just scare them there with a thousand dollars. There's no way they're going to spend two thousand. Yep. Uh, they're probably not going to be a good fit. Right. Okay. And, so, and, and, and I'll say, oh, you sound like you're shocked. You know, what, what were you thinking? What were you expecting? Or what were you looking to to take away from the shoot? They say, look, just a five by seven. Right. Say, yeah. Yeah. I know they're not the right person. So that 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 that's. That's interesting that you – so there isn't um, – because I've seen um, – and I'm not talking about the photography industry, but I've uh, uh, replied to an offer where, you know, someone will say, okay, you get this, and and then as you get down further into the offer, you, you realise you're taken by surprise where they say, oh, and it's just another $2,000 to go to the next <laughs> level, and you feel – it really leaves a bad taste and you kind of go, hang on a minute, you got me here on false pretenses. I thought I was getting this, this and this and now you've la- – and suddenly if I want to go any further, I've got to fork out 1000 or $2,000. Are you are you suggesting that, you know, we're up front the entire uh, way yeah, about look, costs? Absolutely. And I, you remind, you've got to remind me maybe before we finish off about a story about a Melbourne photographer that, I, that I'll share with listeners. Uh, but look – Absolutely. I, I, live, I live in Terrigal, you know, on the central coast here. <clears throat> I've lived here for 20 years. I see my clients, my kids' football games or soccer games. I see my clients when I go shopping. There's no way I want to be ducking my head down and thinking, man, I don't see any of my stunning for two grand. That's horrible. So it, I'm absolutely upfront. The whole thing. If this feels dirty, you're doing it wrong. Right. So in my ad, it says, you, you know, there's five shoots available. The shoots are free, absolutely free. I'll even include a five by seven with the shoot. Plus, yes, you will have the opportunity to purchase more prints or more ph- photography if you love if you love the photos. You know, so I'm going I'm to have some line in my ad where it's very clear that they will have the opportunity to purchase more after the shoot. All right, so so on that, tell tell me about the uh, the biggest mistakes that you see uh, people do when they try this um, strategy. Yeah, that's such a good question because this is really it's real, so funny, and I know that you would have seen this as well because uh, you you help other photographers. The first thing I won't say most, but a lot of people do. A lot of photographers they see the course and they see the step by step instructions and they think I can I can make this better. <laughs> I, I can improve on this. I'm like, dude, just follow the instructions. It works. And they want to change the copy. They want to include five digital files instead of one five by seven. They want to include an eight by ten. They they want to charge just a little bit for the shoot instead of making it free. And like, even if you charge ten or twenty dollars, you've got resistance. Like, and what are you going to do with ten or twenty bucks? Yeah. Like, give it. Get the leads in by offering it for free. Do do exactly what works, and if you want to try and make it better, do it after you've tested the way we know it works first. That that's the biggest mistake. 
Yeah, good call. Um, have, you, have you seen that? Where you, where you try and help someone and they yeah, say, no, no, no they'll go. Well, you'll say, okay, so here is the order that you do it in, and this has been tried and and and, and it, it works, and a thousand other people have done it in this order, and you'll get a consistent result every time. It's like following a recipe, you know, when you follow a recipe uh, and I've done this, I'm like, ah, that looks too complicated. I'm going to take out step three, four and seven and add another couple of my own and make my own chocolate cake. And then you put it in the oven and pull it out and then you wonder why it didn't rise and it tastes like crap, (laughs) you know. So we're all guilty of that one. We're all experts. I know, but but uh, you know this seems to work, and I'm I'm looking at this thinking I should um I should run my own experiment and have a go uh, with this uh, headshot model that I'm talking about. You could you could run it on um you know uh, targeting uh, business people, people in business, like be that niche, I guess, with the um the targeting right so you want yeah. to I, mean, be- I think if i was going to do what you're talking about maybe you would take the same concept and use it in linkedin where you yes i'm not just chance. about to ask that question i wonder if that would work and take take your concept and apply yeah. it to linkedin yeah why not absolutely yeah. wow and, and you know you bring up a good point too gina which i didn't i haven't made clear is you know if the listener is thinking about this and how they could use it, it you don't need to be in business so it could be for someone. Well, it could be for some. I should rephrase it. it. You don't need to do this to make money. You could be wanting to try a new style, and you already have a business. Maybe you want to try some new locations. Maybe you want to try some new techniques. Maybe you want to try some different posing, and you, you're not comfortable with charging someone for that. So you advertise. This is why you're giving away these free shoots. I want to try some new locations. So you're being honest, and you have to go and try those new locations. Um, you're being honest. And you have a good reason. It could be simply to increase your or build your portfolio or add a new genre. Maybe you want to start shooting pets and you don't yep. normally do that. So there's a lot and of reasons. I know a lot of reasons why you could run this and a lot of reasons how you can bring people to you by using this strategy. Have you tried – have you just done it to get um, brides and or portraits? Have you, have you done it to also improve your portfolio as well, Andrew? We, 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 have you tried those different, different – Yeah, so it's, it's – so the first the first time I did it when I got the twenty three shoots with kids and their dogs that was just purely a test. I just thought this isn't going to work, and then it will will flood. And the next time I thought, okay, I'm going to do this seriously. And what I found, I I wanted to start shooting differently for my wedding clients, and I found it's so difficult to change styles because all the couples that are booking me they're booking me for the way that I shoot right now, and I can't just go and shoot differently at their wedding because then they say, well, this doesn't look like your portfolio. And I wanted to shoot in a different style, more black and white, more contrasty, um, less posed. And I thought, okay, this is the perfect opportunity. So I ran an ad and my ad was very specific. I'm looking for newly engaged couples that are adventurous, happy to work with me to try some new techniques and test some new locations, happy to get wet, dirty, muddy and, and just have some fun and shoot. I got flooded with inquiries and I weeded through my questionnaires. I picked the seven that I thought were the best fit. And like I said I said earlier, I booked six of those weddings. And the one that I didn't book, they went away and booked a photographer between the shoot and when they came in to see the photos. Mm. And they were upset that they booked a photographer. And one of the seven or one of the six cancelled their existing photographer and booked me. They lost their deposit with the other photographer. There so, you go. They lost their deposit. Really good. That's a that's yeah. that's a good sign for you. That's fantastic. Yeah, and then I got a whole new portfolio. I got to shoot in the new style I want to be shooting for these six couples, and then I was able to start putting that work onto my website. Fantastic. Andrew's secret sauce. <laughs> Look at you. That's awesome. This this is so exciting. I'm actually uh, inspired to, to, to give this a go. Now, you – You've actually generously created like a, a little webinar for our listeners, and and you, it, that actually walks everyone through uh, all of these things that you've talked about, and um, and so we'll we'll have all the links to that in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, 
But um, before I let you go, Andrew, uh, where can people find you and find out more information about you and also see your uh, amazing work? Thank you. Um, the best place or the easiest place is photobizx.com. So it's just photobizx.com and there's everything there. And all your Instagram and everything yeah, is there's there. Yeah, links, there's links from there. Everything's from there. That's the easiest spot. Fantastic. The podcast and the training and the, yeah, it's all there. Excellent. Well, this has been amazing, Andrew, and uh, thanks for all that generous information. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, where the listeners uh, go with this. Fantastic. So thanks again for your time. It's, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. And I've got to say before we do say goodbye, uh, you know, I continually see your work popping up, particularly your travel work in my feeds, and uh, you you just continue to inspire me every day. And I know that when I'm booking a trip, I'll jump on the phone and, and have a quick chat to you, and um, you always get me more excited, and I'm really excited to go. You get me more excited about it every time, and I love seeing what you're doing all the time. So, again, thanks, thanks to you, Gina. Thanks, Andrew. Awesome. Well, that was Andrew Helmich and he is such a good guy. You know, I think that uh, when he's talking about Facebook advertising, he really does know what he's talking about because when I started talking to Andrew about the possibility of, of, of coming onto the podcast, I have to say the journalist in me you know, came out because I really want to make sure that we're having the right people who uh, have the right information. So I, to be honest, I grilled him on his Facebook, uh, his Facebook advertising strategy and his approach. And I was really impressed. It made a lot of sense. Um, Mm. I've, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a really, really, um, eye-opening strategy for me. And I, um, um, asked Andrew to create a webinar just for our podcast listeners. So if you thought you got a lot out of the actual podcast, you're going to get even more out of the webinar. This is a free webinar and um, he's created this especially for So You Want to Be a Photographer listeners and you you can find it at ginamilitia.com slash Facebook course. That's ginamilitia.com slash Facebook course and watch the webinar. It is really good. It's really comprehensive. It goes for um, maybe about 50 minutes. So it's, Mm. it's, you know, it's got some real guts and depth in Mm. there and you'll learn stuff in there that uh, can certainly help you in your own Facebook advertising. Um, And you'll also find out a little bit more about Andrew's actual course that he runs in, um, in Facebook advertising as well. But even whether or not you go on to do Andrew's course, um, the webinar is, is, is really awesome. So make sure you check that out. So that's at ginamilitia.com slash Facebook course. That's ginamilitia.com slash Facebook course. Make sure you check that out. We'll also put that link in the show notes as well. Fantastic. Andrew Helmich, really good value. Wouldn't have recommended it unless, um, you know, I'd done the due diligence. So, um, yeah, thanks, Andrew. So we've got – we're at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? I'm going to try and catch up on sleep, Val, and just get back oh, into yep. life in that, on this side of the world. And, yes. uh, yeah, and I've got some stuff. I've got lots going on, Val. What about you? Washing undies <laughs> too. Oh, you're washing your undies? Okay, thanks <laughs> for letting me know. Um, what am I doing? Yeah, well, you know, I, my, my to-do list is long as well, but you know what I'm doing this week? It doesn't sound mm. like the most exciting thing in the world, but I believe every business should do it, yourself included, all our listeners included. Every so often you need to do, uh, wait for it before you all fall asleep at the exciting prospect <laughs> of this. What is it, Val? It's every so often every business needs to do an audit of their systems. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like the most exciting I'm like, thing I'm in the world. I'm struggling to stay awake, Val, but this is not 
It's not very <laughs> Because sexy. of your I jet just, lag. You're so excited by the thought. I know. Mom, what are we I doing know. this weekend? Woo! <laughs> We're yeah, going to auditing our systems. Our systems. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's true. We are going to be auditing, auditing our systems. And I'm going to feel <laughs> a lot better after we have done so because it's, it's vital for any business to make sure all of the wheels are oiled and turning properly and yeah. so that you're heading in the right direction. You may mock me, Gina. You may mock I'm me. I'm never going to mock you, Valerie. It's amazing. I'm looking forward to all the emails I'll be receiving next week <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm, you know, complying with your new system yes, audit. that's right. <laughs> all right. So uh, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. So that's on Instagram and Twitter and I'm also in the podcast Facebook group. And if you want to connect with me in person and you're one of these people that's really uh, considering taking your photography to the next level, then check out the Goal Community and there's like over 200 tutorials there uh, and I do photo critiques there. We've got an awesome community of like-minded photographers and I love working with the Goal community. So that's also ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. And you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, connect with both of us through the podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free to join. We'd, we'd love to have you in there. And it's a group of uh, lovely, lovely people from all over the world. So we'll see you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.